Howdy, friends. Listen, before we jump in, check this out. We've got some exciting news. As you know, Peter and I work for Bottle Rocket, and we would love for you to join our team. Listen, we're a work-from-wherever company, and we're self-managed vacation. Not to mention, you get to work with great people. Say, for example, Peter and I. Sounds great, right? So if you are ready to do the best work of your life, and join an extraordinary team. Hit the link in the show notes to see our current open positions and apply today. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, Ladies and gentlemen, five, prepare four, for liftoff. 3, 2, 1. Welcome back to Liftoff by Bottle Rocket. I'm Tony Dosat. And I'm Peter Clayman. What an episode we have for you today. Now, I hope you're strapped in because... Um, this man really needs no introduction other than the fact that he is the founder and CEO of the very company in which Peter and I work. And I hate to say work because it is so much fun and there is so much passion running through the veins of this company. And it all stems from this man in, at the helm. And he was honored with the Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year, Tech Titans Awards, there's so many we could go through, but I'm just going to leave it at, it's my boss's boss's boss, Mr. Calvin Carter. Thank you so much for coming on and joining us today and not firing Peter and I after 19 episodes. It's just a miracle in and of itself. <laughs> I really appreciate you guys inviting me on and and Tony, you're far too generous, you know, in your introduction. I, I now have to go live up to all those wonderful things you said uh, about me. But you, you are absolutely right. You know, there's a lot of passion at Bottle Rocket. Well, and Calvin, that opens up perfectly the first thing we wanted to talk to you about. I think there's so much that we could discuss with you. But today we want to talk about something that we interact with and use every single day, which is you have done a, a wonderful job orchestrating a wide variety of tools for our organization that enable our creativity, even as we live in different states together. And I know it's something you're really, really passionate about, not just for our organization, but for many. And so maybe lead us in there. Give us a little bit of an insight into this journey that created this assembly of the tools we use today and maybe some of the tools that we do do, do deploy within our ecosystem and why. Sure. So I, I think kind of to, to the best way to provide context is to kind of start with the big belief. And the big belief, a belief that I have at least, is that great artists deserve great tools. You, whether it's, whether you're, you know, you're working with your kid and they're really leaning heavily into sketching, you know, you're not going to just hand them printer paper and some unsharpened pencil. You're going to be like, oh, wow, I'm going to get you actually a nice, uh, you know, vellum notebook and, you know, and a couple of, uh, you know, really nice pens or pencils to, to essentially allow that person, that kid to do the best they can at the level they're at. And as they get further and further and further, you want to advance the tools as well. And tools come in all sorts of forms. Um, I, the, the office space is actually a tool. And so people, you know, say like, oh, you must like office space design because I was so 
so in the weeds um, on every single design decision uh, made in our award-winning office. And it, my interest in it was making it an amazing tool that could give someone the opportunity to the, to the best work of their lives. Just like giving, you know, that a great set of pens and, you know, you know, and, and proper sketch paper to the kid, the best work of their life. Well, the same thing goes to any, any tool, whether you are, you know, a, a, um, an engineer or a graphic artist or a project manager and everything, you, you're only going to be as good as the tools that you use. I mean, simple thing with a handyman, <laughs> you got you a crappy yeah. screwdriver and a broken saw, you know, no matter how good of a handyman you are, you're always kind of not going to be so great. <laughs> so the same thing is, is I always try to, with the belief system, great artists deserve great tools. When I say artists, you can replace the word maker, creator, developer, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, I then say, well, then what tools will what what technology tools SaaS based or otherwise technology tools are going to allow this person to do the best work of their lives and then settle for absolutely nothing less i i hate when i hear someone say well we know this tool would have been so much better for a frontline developer front-end developers but it's kind of expensive and so we got this other thing. It's like practically free. And they see that as like a, like a win. And I see that as a terrible mistake and an indication of poor decision-making and bad intuition about the, what really drives a business. Because it's, you know, you know they kind of say like, you know, uh, the – you, you know, you, you, you go and you get your car fixed and there's some parts, but then like the labor is like a huge amount. If you look at our business, we're a professional services company, so we're very human centric. The vast majority, 85% actually of our cost is, is, is human-based cost. So wouldn't you want to focus on, to spend whatever it's going to take in that smaller 15, remaining 15% of cost the, to give those people the opportunity to do their best, meaning do it efficiently, do it quickly, do it in a way that they find to be fun and rewarding because that means, you know, engagement. That's kind of like the, the, the kind of the belief system approach. Now, kind of going down, so if I've convinced you that yes, tools, even those that ones that cost, you know, a decent amount of money are worth it because it's all about an ROI. After you do that, then you have to, you start to get into a couple of different schools of thought about the process and the decision techniques you use to build that tech stack. And so one school of thought is try to find one or two vendors out there that kind of have like a grab bag portfolio, kitchen sink list of things that they do. That way you only have to write one contract. You've got one throat to choke and, um, it quote unquote all is pre-integrated. An example of that would be the Microsoft suites. You know, they Microsoft has has very successful business, um, and they are primarily focused on the IT organization, not the users and the business, but the IT organization. And they like to essentially say, "Hey, we do everything, so you don't need all these other things. You just need us." And that's very compelling. Very compelling pitch. 
I just disagree with it. And I have a different belief system. And my belief system is, while it is more complicated to do, the results are dramatically better. It's to, it's to find best of breed, purpose-built applications for every component of your tech stack. You know, whether it's um, the sales pipelining tool and using something amazing like Salesforce or, you know, resource management staffing tool and great tool called 10,000 Feet or the best collaboration, communication and getting stuff done tool in the world, Slack, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, marketing automation with HubSpot, lead gen and, and prospecting like LinkedIn, uh, Sales Navigator and Hunter and, you know, other things like that, whether it's, you know, an ATS system like Lever or a, a kind of an HRS uh, performance management, employee engagement management tool like Lattice. I'm sure there's, whether it's Microsoft or SAP or someone can claim, oh, we have all of that. But what they cannot claim is that they're the best of each one. Mm. And I have absolutely proven beyond a shadow of a doubt, uh, not just in high employee engagement scores, not just in well, well above market um, or well above average growth, well above average profitability, uh, and just basically the numbers. Numbers don't lie. I've proven that the purpose-built integrated collection of best and breeds is better than the one size fits all. One of the things that comes to my mind immediately is one of the things that you mentioned in the first all hands, which we call state of the rocket, when I first joined, which was a little over three years ago. And it's something that you said just now, which is I want you to come here and do the best work of your life. And when you're sitting there as a new hire, you know, I've, I heard a lot about Bottle Rocket and it was great and all the things, very fortunate. It's not lip service. I have to tell the listeners, it is so transparently true and honest that it, it, it really runs like water through that building when we were in the building, of course. And you believe that and you, and you invest in that, not only financially, but also with the relationships and with the trust. So I have to applaud you for that. And I'm not kissing your ass, Calvin. I'm saying <laughs> this was before the pandemic, right? So this was all true. And it's not because of the pandemic that you're like investing in the Slack and the Zoom, whatever it is. It might compound it. It might be proof positive, right? But this, this lived long before. What do you tell companies that are in a position or the leadership in companies that are in the position of going, well, God it's going to affect the bottom line. We don't have the money. We can't do it. You got the tools. They're working, right? Well, I've got a couple pieces there. Number one, yes, we were doing all this stuff well before the pandemic or even knowledge that a pandemic might be on the horizon. Therefore, we had a more robust company. We communicated more easily, more quickly, more synchronously. We had all the tools at our fingertips. Um, you know, every single employee had every single tool they needed at their fingertips. They didn't have to go down the hallway to get, you know, something or anything like that. And so while, while we did not design it for the pandemic, all the pandemic was, was essentially like a trial by fire test. And 
wow, I got to tell you, I don't think we would have bounced back as fast as we did because we bounced back fast Yeah. if we did not have this up and running. And so now there's a lot of companies that are scrambling to try to figure out how to work in this new world order. And some of them have done a good job and invested, albeit late, in these types of tools. And they're kind of behind the ball. Other uh, groups have, they don't even know where to start. And they're frankly not, they're not an educated buyer of these sorts of things. And, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So it's really hard for, I'm making this up, but a CEO of a, of, a, of a small local bank to know what are the best tools out there mm. and what do their people need. And so what they usually do is a top-down approach. They say like, well, we executives and the you know, CFO and the CTO and the CEO will decide, hey, yeah, we're going to use these tools. And then the funny thing is, is those three people probably use those tools the least of, of everyone in the building. We do bottom up. We, we ask the people that are in the trenches that use and or need to use these tools. And we say to them, we say, what works? What doesn't? Did you use something at a previous employer that you really liked that maybe you think we should look into? And, and, and let's say we have something we think works. We're 100% open to someone coming in and saying, yeah, I know this tool's pretty good but it is nothing compared to this tool. We do not say, who are you? You're not in IT. You can't make, you, you can't make those comments. We say, wow, really? That's great. Thank you for the gift. I'm going to now spool up a group to investigate that. You listen. Wait, well, you listen, <laughs> exactly. And it sounds and like, it thing, sounds like a skill that's like, yeah, we, it's like, why don't we all just listen to each other? We're humans. <laughs> Let's just listen. Well, I, well, I'll tell you one of the biggest reasons is that um, listening is many times seen as a, a form of weakness because speaking is the controlling part mm. of the conversation. And so as long as you're talking and filling the room with your voice, you must be you know, the, the, the most powerful person there. When you're listening, now you're kind of leaning back and you're not you know, being the alpha in the room. But you actually get so much more out of that experience. And so if you can let go of your ego, you would listen more. The other thing that I would, I would caution people is, I think there's two kinds of cultures. One is a knowing culture and one's a learning culture. If you, if you are work in a knowing culture, the best way to, to determine that is, do you hear things like, but that's not how we do it, or we've been doing it this way for a long time, mm. or like, you're not in IT. Why are you coming up with suggestions to do this, that, and the other? I think they probably know what they're doing, man. Um, when you're in a learning culture, you hear you, you basically get a lot of listening like, wow, never thought about that. Tell me more about that. Um, I remember this is many, many years ago when a rocketeer uh, came to me and he, he says, why do we have this like normal like vacation plan? You know, you work hours and then you earn hours and then you use those hours up. And if you don't use them up, you lose in the end of the year. He's like, that's just like cuckoo. I'm like, well, what do you want to do? He's like, I think a self-managed vacation plan where we on the honor system, we take the time we need and we all have a promise to one another. We don't take advantage. And you would think that I laughed him out of the room. Cause that's like, that's a big swing from with all sorts of potential knock on effects. And I was like, you know what? You might be onto something there. 
Let's try that. That was an iOS engineer. That was not like the head of HR or, mm-hmm. you know, the CFO or anything. That's just someone who had a really good idea because good ideas can come from anywhere and anyone. The other thing that I think, you know, companies have a real hard time, especially traditional companies, is whether they say it or not, their actions indicate that they that the company feels that the employee is going to use whatever tools are provided to them because, you know what, that's their job. They're being paid to do their job, and this is the tool we have. Doesn't matter if it's good or bad, use the damn tool. The reality is humans disengage with things that they don't have positive affect for. And they engage in things that they do have positive affect for. So, for example, yeah, you know, all the salespeople are supposed to use this pipeline tool. But for some reason, like, people, like, wait to the last minute and they don't update their pipeline and then they get in trouble. And they're like, well, I was really busy, boss. And just like the, sh- the tool never gets used. So that money spent for that cheap ass piece of junk tool, you may as well just burned it because people aren't actually using it. The, the most expensive software is the software that doesn't get used. Mm. And then the other side of it is, is like this other company might be using like a really, really great sales tool, a pipeline tool that is actually helping that person close more deals, get bigger commissions put more food on their family's tables and frankly feel better about themselves because they're more successful. And that's why we say, and we actually, we do this for our clients too. We go in and and if we're doing like a BDE, like an employee focused um, engagement, we'll say, you know, with respect, we'd like to hear what you think, but we really want to hear what the people think. So we spend most of our time talking to the employees in the trenches shattering them, following them. And then they tell us the things that the executives never knew. Like I remember it, it, I happened to be in one of these shadows and a person said like, well, yeah, and this is the part where we have to reboot the computer and then come back in five minutes because it always gets stuck on this, but rebooting it fixes it. But I just have to sit here for five minutes, but don't worry, it's going to work. And I was like, you're, you're kidding me, right? And they're like, no. And I'm like, how many people have the same job? Oh, there's like 300 of us. How many times do you reboot? Oh, three, four times a day. And I added it up and I was like, oh, that's $1.7 million a year. You know, congratulations <laughs> to the, you know, to the genius who decided that was a good piece of software to, to get their employees. Unfortunately, we have to steer this toward a wrap. But we do have two more sections in this, in the wrap. So, Peter, I want you to um, lead us into the first round and explain what the lightning round is. So, lightning round. We're going to ask you to answer in a single word, and we're going to leave it right there. We're not going to dig into what that answer is. We're not going to add additional context. It's just for you to put it out in the world. And then in the future, people are going to reach out to you to probably ask to clarify what you meant by that. But we're going to do it right there. So, Tony, want to drive us yeah. into the lightning round? All right, cool. Calvin. Or Mr. Carter, I'm sorry. <laughs> Calvin. <laughs> Calvin. <laughs> what gets you so inspired that one could only define it as you are jazzed? One word. What's the thing? Making something better than I found it. I'll take that as one word. Hey. Oh, shit. One, one real word. Yeah, one real word. <laughs> okay, hey. I got I got it. I okay, got it. okay. Iteration. 
Got it. Love that. Okay. Perfect. Calvin, the difference between Microsoft Teams and Slack? Enormous. That's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Okay. They are not the same thing. People think they are. They are not. They're just man. not. It's just near we and dear to my Slack. heart. I couldn't yeah. imagine a different reality than the Slack reality. Well, the, the real power of these, like, you know, um, best of breed solutions is, is, is when they're stitched together properly. And Slack is not just a great chat tool. Yeah, it does that too, but it's got workflows. It's got just all sorts of different components in it. And oh, by the way, it has more pre-built free integrations than any other piece of software on the planet Earth. And so we use it. Instead of writing like expensive code to connect Salesforce to HubSpot and HubSpot to SalesLoft, et cetera, et cetera, um, Slack does it for us. It's one of my favorite tools. Agreed. Um, Okay, one more lightning and then we'll go into the final question. Okay, the last question for the lightning round. One word. What stresses you out more than anything? Inefficiency. Waste just bugs me because the optimizer in me can't not see it. It's like my wife uh, um, has been in basically copy editing and copywriting and, and things like that her whole life. She can open up a magazine without even reading the article. Her eyes will go straight to a misspelling. It's crazy. It's like the Gladwell 10,000 hours, except she's got 50,000 hours. Mm. You know, for me, it's like I have so many hours in finding the inadequacies of a system and then determining solutions to make that system better that it is like it's haunting whenever I have a, uh, an experience that's not that's not perfect. All I see is the imperfections in the experience. Mm. Well, we would love to continue this, but we do need to move to our very last question. And this is, this is one that we ask every single guest. So what non-digital object or thing that you own or possess means the most to you or has impacted your life the most and why? I'm kind of cheating here. I would say my astrograph or a specialized telescope made for astrophotography. It's, it's run by a ton of technology. It itself is glass and mirrors, but you run it with that's a ton fair. of technology. That's so fair. I don't know if that qualifies. We'll take it. Yeah. yeah. Now, why the passion there? Because I know that you are very passionate about that. First off, obviously, or not obviously, but um, I'm a sci-fi fan, not just because I find it to be interesting and entertaining, but I find it to be mind opening. I mean, let's, you know, go back to the original Star Treks and all, all the stuff that they talked about. A lot of that stuff is actually happening now. So it's, it's really interesting. And I think science fiction is essentially a way to determine what science fact will be, you know, sometime in an, in an undisclosed number of years. So it gets you thinking about the future and what might be possible. And sci-fi is, is sci-fi because it, it, it assumes all the thing all the things like oh it assumes when you go to light speed you don't you know you don't turn into liquid and get hit by the back wall of the spaceship you know so it is it says like if we didn't have that problem what might we be able to do and that is a great way to like reframe things because people are generally focused on the problem and their mindset is anxiety Whereas if you can focus on what could be possible, then your, then your mindset is hope. 
and you get jazzed and you want to go do the thing. So that's my thing about 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 sci-fi. And so that kind of carries you into things like, you know, the great unknowns. And, you know, the greatest two unknowns that we're aware of is the ocean below us that we know pretty good amount, but frankly, not very much. And the skies above us. And when you start to really get into astronomy, um, cosmology, any of the components talking about, you know, the universe and the vastness and everything, it is it is so unbelievable that it will take you years to even just wrap your head around it. When I tell you that, you know, when if I, I won't do it here because it'll take too long, but if I took you through like, okay, we're one planet going around one sun. We're in one galaxy that has, you know, um, 200 million other suns. That one galaxy is spinning around um, one billion more galaxies. You, then you go back to like, well, then shit, how many suns and how many earths and how many me are there in the world, in, in, in the universe? And it's just so so big, your mind can't take it. It can't absorb it. And so what it does is it makes you just really change your perspective about your world. All the problems that you have all of a sudden seem to be pretty damn trivial. It just gives you a more peaceful, reflective enjoyment of life, mm. being able to see the, the vastness of it and then realize that, golly, you know, this problem I have at work, that's nothing, man. What a great note to close on. Peter and I want to thank you for joining us. It's an honor to call you our CEO, friend, coworker, and thanks for coming on, man. Been a long time coming. I, I really enjoyed it, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely.